You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Yes, and we're back. Now, those eagle, eagle-eyed, eagle-eared listeners may have noticed that we sort of didn't have a show last week. That because if it could go wrong, it did go wrong, and it went spectacularly wrong. So, but we're back this week, and to make up for it, we've got two guests, which is going to be grand. We've got Simon, as always, with us, but also we've got a member of our beloved chat room. I'm not sure if he was part of the Friday Night Shenanigans chat, but we've got Pete from our Slack room. How are you doing this afternoon, Pete? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Sunny Suffolk at the moment. So you're in sunny Suffolk, but you're drinking Purple Moose Brewery from Wales, which we don't even get over here. I am. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Uh, As uh, some people know, I'm uh, quite a beer collector, got quite a collection of beer down in the cellar, and I fancied a chocolate vanilla stout. So my gaze fell upon the Purple Moose chocolate mousse. And and how are you rating it in terms of notes and flavour? Is it is it a session beer? Are we talking it's a one-off? Is it a Sunday afternoon with your sun is with your Sunday lunch type beer? Give um, us some detail. Okay, so it's um, chocolate and uh, vanilla in a um, in a stout. And uh, let me just check the um, it's four point five percent alcohol. Um, so I thought it's the sort of beer one drinks when podcasting. <laughs> Quite right. Awesome. And I'm going to send them a link to this. So hopefully we might, I, I will show that we might get something for free. Mm-hmm. Also joining us this week on this alcoholic fest, drinking a gin and tonic is Sim from our favorite voiceover IP app, because you don't need Skype because Skype's a complete bag of nails. It's Sim from Wire. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, gentlemen. I'm good. Just uh, finished my ice cream, took a quick dip in the pool and uh, uh... hiding in a cover from the kids to do the show. Nobody likes to show off. It's like, oh, look at me. I've got my own company. And now, oh, dear, oh, dear. It's so a regular where, vacation. Uh, so where are you vacating then, roughly? Um, I'm uh, in south of Spain. I can actually see the sea. Mm. You just, you're just rubbing it in there, really. Yeah, well, do you want me to send some pictures? <laughs> well, you may as well. Yeah, we'll have those in the show notes and in the show art, just so people can remember what it was like before. It was like a billion degrees below zero over here. It, it is surprisingly warm, given that it's the end of October. So right. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Said with deep sincerity. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Thank. Thank you very much, though, for coming on. We did have a few technical issues last week, not due to wire. I want to make that completely, completely clear, because uh, wire is awesome. And oh, there it is in the blooming chat. Yeah. Wire is awesome. If you if you're listening to this and you usually use Skype, you, there are many many reasons why you why you're going to want to use Wire. And we're not just getting Sim on to to shill everything. We will go in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors of Roundup, like we said, top of the show. But Sim, you've made quite a big announcement this week, haven't you? We did, yes. Um, so I suppose you've, you've spoken about Wire a bit before. I don't need to repeat the basics, but uh, we. Um, announced something that actually our customers has sort of forced us into um, as a as a happy win-win situation, I would add. 
so basically, so far, Wirewire is mostly focused on the friends and family personal use case. Um, but more and more companies and uh, different organizations, including government organizations, showed up and said, listen, you have something we need. You have something that is internet encrypted, it's based in Europe, it's open source, it's transparent and all that things. Can we also have search? Can we have team management? Can we have history backup? Um, sort of a more businessy features. Um, and we'll give you money. And we were sure. Um, so we've spent the last um, last number of months on, on working on this and uh, uh, really working with the uh, beta testers and pilot uh, pilot customers, about 300 of them hand in hand to uh, to get to sort of a solid foundation um, so that uh, when you're a company who has a um, medium to high security needs in terms of your communication, um, then you actually have a viable tool. You can go and sign up as a, as a team, uh, make sure that you have control over who's part of that uh, team or organizations, uh, organization. And also if, if someone leaves, um, you can just remove them uh, from all the chats uh, with one tap and also remove the his chat history. Um, so it really gives better control over um, access and, uh, and access to IP rights and uh, the communication um, for, for a company. And um, yeah, the, the um, initial sort of groups who've um, shown up uh, and who are most interested are the usual suspects. Um, uh, the mo a lot of them are based in Europe uh, because some of the legislation changes that are coming up, um, uh, but uh, also because the privacy is viewed differently uh, in Europe, I would say. Um, there are um, finance, medical, um, legal, tax accounting, IT security, of course, IT, anything. Although um, there some customers say, listen, we're using Slack today, we need integrations, yada, yada. Um, and uh, then we ask them, okay, honestly, how important is security for you? If it's really important, then I think we should talk again. If it's kind of not that important, then you're probably uh, doing all right with Slack. Uh, and maybe over time, we'll win you over. So it was a, it was a big announcement for us, not quite the uh, pivot, I would say, uh, but opening up a new... Um, area for us, uh, which will stay focused for a while as we build up additional features um, based on the feedback and also things we think that will uh, will be useful and helpful for the companies. Um, at the same time, the, the free personal version um, is still there. So anyone can go and sign up. And also this allows um, these companies, the paying customers, to collaborate with consultants, partners, or customers, because you can involve them in certain chats, either in one-to-one -one or group chats, um, as a guest. Um, so there's no sort of walled garden uh, approach there. You can you can play it pretty open if you wanted to. And the, and the take up on week one was, has did that meet your expectations, surpass, or was it what you thought it was going to be? Well, we got the, uh, um, we just launched this Wednesday. Um, Initially, mostly with the media launch, uh, especially our marketing team is still small and uh, uh, due to uh, uh, some scheduling changes, I was on vacation as well. But uh, we got immediately the first customers taking out their credit cards and putting in the numbers. So um, uh, we, we sort of broke through that wall and uh, I think we're reasonably happy with that with the initial few uh, first days. Awesome. I mean, one of the questions that I've been just sort of mulling around in my head, mm -hmm. you must be somewhat bonkers. Because you're going up against Skype, which is, well, what was Skype? It was MSN Messenger, then it was Microsoft Chat. 
Yeah, yeah, that must be something. I mean, what was what was the drive to say? You know what, Skype is a huge, huge player on the market. What was the drive to say, right? We're going to go head to head with um, Skype. We're going to enter into this market because you do have, I believe, uh, a few of their old engineers. Am I right in saying that? Yes, engineers, also more from the business people. Um, so. Why was founded by by four guys, and all of them had some sort of Skype um, uh, connection. Um, Janos Fries, who's also the um, the investor in Wire, happened to be um, Skype co-founder. Um, he was also the co-founder of Kazaa, uh, and more recently, uh, Starship uh, robots, which are tiny, cute delivery robots, uh, which you can look up afterwards. And then the other guys were um, more from technology side um, or design side. And uh, we also got a bunch of um, uh, very, very good audio guys to join. So the day we launched, I would say we had the best audio quality out there. It was a bit more demanding in terms of, in terms of a connection. Um, so some of the competition really optimizes for very low um, uh, network speeds, but that shows in the audio quality. We always went for the high end. <clears throat> Um, but the story was that uh, because they had worked at um, Skype and sort of were a bit um, bummed out that Skype missed the train when it came to mobile and WhatsApp sort of rushed into the market and Viber and others as well. And it got stuck in in this state that it was a um, long time ago. Um, and, and in 2012, where the wire story started, communication was still very much in silo. You had... Um, SMS and WhatsApp for short messages. You had email, uh, basically for longer type of messages. You had um, you, you sent files either through um, through email or maybe use Dropbox for it. And then with images, I had something else as well. Uh, how you share the images? And we thought, could we could we pull it all together and build something that would be very modern and um, sort of high quality, uh, and also start focusing more on the security side as well? Because when uh, Microsoft bought Skype, they moved away from the peer-to-peer, more secure approach to server-based one where they have access to everything. Um, that was the sort of 2012-2014 was a period of very fast change in the messaging market, um, uh, though, uh, because WhatsApp um, for a long time wasn't really well-known in the US, but elsewhere it started really taking off and other players as well. So Skype became more the, um, like this one more, um, and everybody ended up uh, eventually with three or four messenger on their phones, which is the status today. Um, so when we launched, um, it was already somewhat clear that actually what we have today wouldn't be um, maybe doesn't have the edge quite. It was good enough. It was as as good as the other, others, but it was missing this USP. So very quickly, we started focusing on security even more and privacy. So we launched end-to-end encryption before WhatsApp did. Um, unfortunately, they got it done fairly quickly as well and ruined our party a little bit. Um, so, so this... Privacy and security became more and more of of the focus for us because that gave us um, a niche in the market, so to speak. And now when we go to the B2B market, um, and I can send you the comparison chart afterwards, when we we compare ourselves to other business communication tools, be that Skype for Business or um, Microsoft Teams or Facebook Work or Slack, then we're sort of the only one that ticks the boxes of end-to-end encryption and Europe jurisdiction. Everything else is based in the US and doesn't have this end-to-end encryption. They have um, either keys uh, to the content or they have the content in plain text on the servers. 
to that allows them to deliver certain uh, features like in slack's case for example that gives them very powerful uh, search feature or being able to share history very technically very easily um, for us that would be a bit more challenging but actually that's what we're working on as well so i think this uh, uh yes initially it was just like we're crazy but we're still going to do it and then as we saw what were the developments on the market and the user feedback drove us to Get to a point where I said, actually, we're not that crazy. There is a niche, there is a need um, where we don't even need to go head to head with um, uh, with the strong players right now in the B two B market. There's actually another market that we can just um, go and own. So, one question I've always wanted to ask someone who is obviously a big supporter of end to end encryption because it's, it's actually in your product and it's obviously in your DNA. There's obviously the case for the UK government with the Charters Bill. They don't want end-to-end encryption. They want a backdoor because of terrorism. And it's a very delicate subject and probably way above my pay grade to sort of uh, deal with. What's your... Where do you stand on that? Obviously, yes, encryption is important to you, but how? what's your response to say, well, you should give a backdoor to something because we have you know, the ongoing terrorist threat? Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. It is a um, touchy subject, but also something that's been in the media now for, for about a year or so and continues to be so because there's also EU legislation, the um, uh, e-privacy proposal that... Uh, at least at one point, I think it still has a statement that you shouldn't weaken uh, into encryption or encryption in general. Um, and then, yes, Amber Rudd and the rest of the UK government kind of going, no, we need a backdoor that is only a backdoor for us and not for the bad guys. And our our response there is very sort of mathematical that that's technically not possible. If you do a backdoor, it's a backdoor for everyone yeah. with enough skills and time yeah. to figure out. It's um, either, so it's either secure it. or it's not. That's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I think um, if UK government pushed that through, that would actually hurt the businesses, UK businesses, way more. Because already today, there's so many cases of um, hacking and malware spreading through known vulnerabilities um, because the cryptography isn't as good as it could be. Um, and, and we rely, all our lives is now online, our, our financial details, our medical records and so on. So that would just hurt us more in the long run. Um, and uh, so then how can the governments kind of ensure that, um, that they can safeguard their citizens? Because obviously there's got to be a balance. Um, I think the German government um, earlier this year in June, I believe, um, passed a legislation that made it easier for, uh, for police to selectively hack the phones. Um, to basically plant malware on the phones and capture content before it's encrypted. Because obviously, as my sound is going from my microphone to uh, to the wire app, you can um, ca- capture it before and, and kind of pass that to wherever service you, you want to send it to. Um, and I think that's a sort of a reasonable balance in terms of what you can do and what you can't do, because you can't do it sort of mass market. You can do mass surveillance this way, um, but there's another another tool uh, for the law enforcement uh, to use, for example. And also, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, UK already has very broad laws to monitor people online. Um, and quite often, the metadata gives you more than or as much as the actual sort of verbal data, because you can still use slang or code words and kind of hide it even double and triple layer. I mean, the, the, you're you're right. The the UK has pretty draconian um, surveillance powers, 
and uh, my my personal uh, my personal take on it is yeah we don't need any back doors uh, all this whining about terrorists having a safe place to hide is actually a complete smokescreen because as you say Tim if 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 they want to monitor you they can find out what you're doing without actually ever reading or hearing a word they say simply the no. metadata will track you into places that give away what you're up to it's you know oh, funnily enough um, I've got a sort of story about that um, what was it so I signed up to BBC iPlayer to go and watch a couple of programs. I had a TV license, and yet I got a knock on the door a couple of days later, which I've never ever had before. Wow. Saying, "Can I see your TV license?" <laughs> so the, it's the apps that we use. I mean, there's another app that I've got a big conspiracy theory about called ClearScore, which is apparently a way to uh, check your credit rating. Now I know my credit rating is apocalyptically bad. Yet somehow uh, it said, oh, you can get an 80% chance of getting this debit card. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I can shift some bits and bobs over happy days. And then it suddenly dawned on me, no way in God's green earth, even though it said I had an 80% chance. And then it sort of hit me. If I'm using that app, a credit reference agency is knowing and getting all my details, which makes that data available to other people. Hmm. So the app might be secure. But it's all the shenanigans that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. So end to end might be fine, but it's anything, is it? It's like any data that goes anywhere. I mean, look at the Equifax breach. And that was like, yep, sorry, everyone. We've lost all your details and they've got stolen. Sorry. Yeah, a couple of C-level executives retired as a result. So that's a slap (laughs) on the wrist. Oh, yeah, they, they retired with a hefty payoff. I oh, know. Oh, how, how will they cope? The poor souls. Yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely right about the, the fact that um, you can claim that you're into an encrypted, um, but unless you're open source, then it's very hard to verify uh, whether you actually are and also what else are you doing in the background. Um, so Wire is 100% open source, including the server, um, because transparency is really, really important for us. I think that has been very helpful in terms of sort of building the bus or getting the developer community uh, involved as well. Uh, when we look at uh, how many people are following our repositories on GitHub, it's it's just massive where suddenly sort of multiplied by 100 uh, number of people who are looking in our code and reporting bugs and sub- occasionally submitting back uh, um, source code as well, the code. Um, but yeah, I can fully believe, or what fully believe, there's been many, many cases where um, Google has said, actually, we had apps in the App Store that had malware in them. We've now removed them, but obviously they were downloaded tens of thousands of times before. So um, there are dodgy apps out there, and there are just really sort of um, bad apps out there as well. Yep. Uh, yep, the, the, the nightmare so. that is Google. Um, so a couple of random questions for you then. What is your preferred... Pl- are you are you one of the developers? No. So my official role is head of marketing. Um, this being still a fairly small startup, especially on the non-developer side, then uh, it's a bit wider role. Um, I also do some of the business development, um, communication, PR, um, but a very big part of it is um, community management or sort of making sure that our users are happy. Um, that inc- includes sometimes during the vacation, replying to people and uh, helping them sort out oh, their, yes. their issues. You, you mentioned that before we start the show. Tell us this. I mean, if there's anyone listening and you want an exercise in how to do sort of guerrilla marketing and really connect with your customers, 
tell us the story that you uh, you mentioned before I pressed the big old record button. Yeah, okay. So uh, i got to confess, I'm a mobile addict. I always have my phone with me. And of course, I'm checking my chats and, and Twitter. Um, so someone I met at the conference uh, who's uh, from a non-profit side got in touch that uh, um, in one of the group chats, they had an issue. Um, magically, some person removed everybody else. Um, which sounded familiar familiar because I had that bug half a year ago and I thought we fixed it. Um, so I quickly asked for a few more details and it uh, uh, turns out, yes, we still have an issue there. It's very, very random, very rare. Um, they had somehow hit that. Um, so it wasn't, we didn't actually solve the issue right there and then, uh, but it was another data point for the developers um, so that they can uh, dig a bit deeper and get that fixed. And my experience is that quite often, what makes people happy isn't that, of course, ideally you'd solve the problem right right away. Uh, but it's just being open and responsive goes such a long way. Um, there are so many times where we've turned an unhappy customer around with just sort of being humans, um, listening to yeah. and responding as humans rather than uh, as a cold corporation with a canned response. And we're still at the size where we can maintain that. And I want to make sure that we maintain this as long as possible. Um, but uh, it was a very simple case of just uh, very quickly spending five minutes and uh, telling someone that we're listening, pass it on to developers, hopefully get, can get it fixed. And hopefully it never occurs to you again because nothing wasn't broken. They could rebuild their group chat. I'm with you on that one. In the times that I've run a, a small sort of startup company, it is amazing how much good grace you can get from people just by talking to them as their human beings, not like having a kind of response or we've received your email and a member of our team will be back with you shortly. Oh, uh, but obviously yes. that does become more of a challenge the, the bigger and bigger you get. Well, as you're not a developer, that's killed the rest of my questions. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, you can try them. Um, so I've been working with oh. developers, obviously, side by side uh, the whole, whole time. I've also had to take the crash course into cryptography, but don't talk protocols, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the broader principles. Maybe I can cover. So you, you can try them out. Uh, I don't know if these are work, but what platform do you uh, prefer working on? Uh, most of our developers are using Macs. Um, obviously, there's a few with Linux computers as well, a few uh, on Windows because we have the, um, the desktop um, working on all three platforms. So we kind of have to have, to have that knowledge in-house. Uh, but most have Max. And by the way, I have to say that uh, I might come back to this a bit later, but the fact that Wire is available on Linux is excellent. Yeah, that was pretty big for us as well. We we somehow held back that going going there for a while, but then we got um, two guys who are uh, Linux users, and they were just like, hey, we could put it out and say the experimental because we don't have the time to fully maybe um, um, su support it. But uh, if we told the community that actually we'd, we'd really rely on your your help as well to make it better, um, then let's see what happens. And we took the risk, and the response response was just tremendous. Um, so that that uh, that's been very good for us. Well, of course, and from from the Linux community point of view, you've got a big advantage because you're open source, and a lot of Linux users are very heavily into open source, aren't they? they exactly. You know, and they and when we look Skype because it's proprietary. Yeah, when we look at our um, desktop user percentage, then I think Linux worldwide has. Many maybe 4% market share or something like that. And um, on our desktop customers, it's more like 12%. Yeah. 
So good affinity there. Yep, yep, very good. And just on a pure nerdy point of view, because only because I heard of this on the, the ATP podcast, is that you don't actually use um, MP3 or AAC. You use the Opus codec. Now, I know very, very little about this, but can you just sort of give us a vague indication of just how much more efficient it is to use Opus over uh, MP3? So Opus is, is a very good codec, and... Um, we use that already as Skype, and I think it's probably the best codec on, uh, on the market, um, at least for this kind of um, voice over IP calls. Now, I'm not an AVS expert, but I'm, I'm kind of relying on what I've heard from the other guys because it um, it does very good compression uh, versus quality thing. One of my kids just showed up uh, wanting to run on the run mill. <laughs> I need to take a, a <laughs> quick break. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Right, well, you give us a nudge when we come back, you know, um, we'll, yeah, well, I'll tell you, we can go into Pete's little projects. Let us know when you back, Sim. Yes, sorry. I'll go on mute. <laughs> I love <laughs> this show at times because it's just so wonderfully, wonderfully random. Um, like I say, I mean, I, I think, why did I, I can't actually remember how I discovered Wire. I think it might have been a Gruber blog or something else like that. Because I always remember on my 2011, uh, mid-2011 iMac, which is sitting there to my left, looking at me rather sadly going, are you going to turn me on at any point in the future? It just used to ramp up the CPU and the, the graphics uh, card all the time. And wire, it just ticks along nicely. We, we've, even, I mean, yeah. we've done a couple of shows somewhere, haven't we, where I don't know what the quality's been like because I've been on AirPods, but I've been on 4G uh, in the middle of Cardiff with my AirPods, and it, my phone hasn't gotten hot, the battery hasn't drained. So no, it's, it's hot. Hot. But I've got to say, though, to mention in Skype, I've used it because I've got to... Uh, but I don't mind this redesign that it's done. I really don't. I think it's actually quite cool. Have you two guys played with it? Uh, not, not too much, no. I I use it to communicate with a friend um, in Australia. But other than that, because she won't budge from it, um, I hardly use Skype, to be honest. Mm. I, I, the new redesign, I well, it's not really either here or there, to be honest. Um, I thought quite a lot of it was gimmicky. I don't mind the actual design itself, but they added a lot of sort of Snapchat type. Yeah, it, it, yeah I will admit some parts are trying to be down with dark kids sort of thing. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of um, stuff like stickers. And so whilst we're killing a bit of time, then, uh, Pete, as you've yes. been really quiet and we've asked you to come on the show, <laughs> you've been working on something a bit uh, weird. Haven't well, you? Um, yes, I, I'm lucky enough to live in a house with a seller and um, the seller was in need of a uh, renovation. So over the summer holidays, I renovated the cellar, put a new floor down, built a cupboard under the stairs, um, put a new window frame in and et cetera, et cetera, painted it. And then I thought it's time to get rid of the Synology um, two-disc um, NAS that I have down there because it's a, a great product, but um, I've never really got on with it. And I thought, you, um, you like Apple products, so why don't you just get a a little server from Apple, put that down there, have a centralized iTunes library, and then probably use it as a um, uh, an external disk for a time machine backup as well, and then probably get rid of the... Um, the Apple time capsule that I have, I have upstairs because I think Apple are moving away from networking peripherals and I can see a time when they won't um, actually support any of that stuff. 
Um, so that, that's gone quite well. Um, I'm halfway through that project at the moment. Um, and hopefully I can come on in a few weeks time and just uh, discuss um, what what I've done, why I did this thing, you know, why I bought a Mac mini server and not one of the other types of Mac servers and uh, just share my experience. Uh, I'm yeah. keeping some written notes that hopefully we can put up on the website as well. Yeah, that would be awesome. Just out of interest, I mean, I've sort I have coveted a Synology. Uh, mm -hmm. It's only the fact that I'm a complete tightwad that I won't go and buy one because it'll be sucking electricity all night. Right. Uh, but yeah, I leave my Mac Mini on all the time, so figure that one out. What yeah. was it? What was it you didn't like about the Synology? What What didn't you get on uh, with it? Because you always hear, you know, any sort of podcast goes, "Yeah, we've got Synology, and yeah. it's fantastic." Why? Well, uh, essentially, you have to retrain yourself because um, the uh, the software on it. Uh, I was uh, running uh, when I first got it. It was at DSM four, and then it went to five, which I stuck with. Uh, it moved on. It has since moved on to six that's um, the uh, synology uh, um, software yeah yeah um oh i forgot what it's called now Dissection. obviously it's called DSM. Yeah. I can't think the acronym yeah. it's yeah. station management isn't it? That's it yeah yeah, yeah that's it um and well essentially i've um i never quite got it to um uh, got it to work uh, in that I I could never access it from my iPhone from outside my home network. Um, I'm sure I probably um, could have done so if I'd um, sat down and read through the uh, rather thick manual. Um, but you know, if I have to sit down and read how to do something, um, then already I'm it's losing favour yeah. with me. I was going to say, <laughs> in, in, we're, we're yeah, Apple that, that users. We're Apple yeah. users. If you have to sit down and RTFM, then yeah. uh, it's failed. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's already failed. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, so I, it's one of those things that I thought, you know, what you really should take some time out and really learn how to use this stuff. And then in the end, after a few years, I've now decided just to replace it with a Mac mini server, which um, which I must admit has been great, you know, because I'm familiar with um, the Mac and its interface, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'll, I will be interested, Pete, to see how hmm. your centralised iTunes library works, because over the years I have tried, oh, I must be four or five times to put my iTunes library, our family, you know, the whole mm. family stuff, and put it on an NAS or yeah, on a on one of the machines that's always on, and have everybody access it from there, rather than clogging up every single machine with you know gigs and gigs yeah. of music. And I have never really managed to get it to work. I don't care oh, what people say. It, well. Not to my satisfaction, because right. whatever Apple say, iTunes always seems to complain if the music is not on, you know, is not in your home directory slash music slash iTunes slash content. Right. Okay. Um, when I've tried the home sharing and I've tried all sorts of things and it, you know, I tried putting it in a, well, it's never really panned out for me. Um, and in the end I have, for my personal use, I resorted to putting the music I wanted in iTunes on my laptop because right. it wouldn't have it. So I'd be interested to see how you get on with that. Um, okay. Now that's, uh, that's interesting because, uh, I naively thought <laughs> that I'll be putting this on its, uh, central location. Uh, I must admit I had the iTunes, um, all my iTunes music and films and TV 
on the Synology, and I could see them from our Blu-ray, our networked Blu-ray player. Yeah, I, I mean, That's I've one always thing I will been say able for to it, pick that up straight away. I've always and... been able to see the library. I've, my problems tend to be that when you open iTunes, it sometimes it's like, where's the library? Or no, oh, you can't play that. You don't have permission to get to that, or whatever. It's always giving me grief. So, I mean, it might have improved. I, I kind of gave up on it several years ago trying to do it, but it would be. Uh, I'd be pleased to hear that if you manage to get it to work nicely. Yeah, be I'll be. In, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm not planning to do such, uh, you know, a, a big um, network here. There's only going to be two of us uh, sharing this. Um, but I was hoping to use a iPad Mini in the living room where I can see the um, uh, I can see the um, library, which will be uh, central on the Mac Mini server, and then I'll be able to cast that to the sony um speaker in the living room and in the dining room um right. and also the apple tv uh, will be able to see the um the library as well uh, as indeed it can i've um i've worked that one out thus far um but it'll be interesting if we both turn on both myself and my partner turn on home sharing i want to be able to see her music and purchases etc and she can see mine yeah. yeah yeah good 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 luck with that one yeah um, thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm i'm yeah i'm gonna get a copy of ccc next week and do a backup because all this talk of backups is making me even more twitchier especially when i woke up the other morning mm. smashed a key smashed a space bar and it's like oh spinny mm. dot in the screen right um, I think, let me just go and check. I think Sim has just dealt with the crisis of a toddler and a treadmill. Are you back with us, Sim? Uh, I am, yes, and struggling to find the unmute button as always. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to leave that edit point in for the amount of panic that was going, right, what am I going to say next? Cover, Phil, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yeah. Life uh, of kids is an is a adventure. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think, chaps. Have you got any questions for Sim? Because I've sort of, you know, I I just find all this stuff about. Oh, that's what we were talking about. We we're talking about audio codecs and the fact that you use Opus, which is a fantastic codec. Uh, funnily enough, I know someone who works for Sorensen, uh, and they were quite blown away that I said, "Oh, Sorensen, they used to make audio stuff, didn't they?" Um, but now they're going into the rather murky world of advertising. But I can't really say too much more than that, or I'll get into trouble. Mm. Uh, chaps, any random questions to throw at Sim while we still have him for a few minutes? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, actually. Uh, Is it going to be a bug report? <laughs> I've just done one for you in the wire chat. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> no, just keep them coming. No, no, not at all. Um, I, I was going to ask you. Uh, obviously, obviously, if you if you launch as you did, you launched a free personal use product to begin with. But was that done with the kind of aim of, of getting market share, of, of grabbing attention? Because obviously, as you say, you've now launched the paid-for Wire for Business team. So how were you funding Wire previously? Were the, were the founders basically bankrolling it as a, you no, know, I'm just intrigued, really. Mm -hmm. Sure. So Wire has been um, uh, VC funded uh, from the very beginning by a company called Iconical, which is a investment uh, fund for Janus Fries. Um who uh, happens to be one of the co-founders as well. Um, so we are a for-profit uh, VC-funded company in that sense. Um, in terms of the, the entry to the market, um, Wire as a communication platform relies heavily on network effect. If you sign up um, to Wire and there's zero of your friends are using it, the value of this network to you is zero. 
as you start adding more friends, obviously the value goes up. Um, so it, it was clear that the basic version has to be free, um, especially given that we're going to the consumer market. Um, and uh, the thinking was always that we'll figure out the way to monetize because there are always people who need um, premium or better features. Um, but um, luckily for us, it turns out that actually it's the companies who want to uh, who want to pay want the paid version more. Uh, although almost on a daily basis, we get people writing to us, "Hey, how can I donate to you?" or "When are you launching um, uh, paid features for for like regular people as well?" I always have to tell them that they should donate to their next pet open source project uh, because they probably need the funds a bit more uh, than we do. But um, it, so it was you're actually that... telling people not to give you money in some sometimes than just saying give it. Yeah. Did I just hear that right? <laughs> you did. Um, we uh, we don't well, take you can always say I if they want to, they can always give me their money. <laughs> I'm a charity case at the minute. We <laughs> we don't take donations, um, uh, and I'm sure there are hundreds of uh, open source projects um, that people knowingly or unknowingly use, uh, which need this more because there's maybe one or two guys only maintaining these projects. Whereas uh, in our case, it's it's a um, serious business, and uh, uh, donations are also um, um, I don't think it's a very viable business model if we wanted to build it up this way. As soon as people stopped wanting to donate to us, um, we wouldn't exist anymore. So we need a, a sort of more sustainable, more steady business model. And uh, uh, the one with this paid company or, or organization accounts, um, that's that's the one we're going with. Yep. And uh, I think the next step is is going to be very interesting as well because we're starting with small and medium businesses. But uh, uh, as soon as we said that actually you can self-host the server at one point and we'll look also into the, not look, but we'll also support federation um, uh, later in the future, hopefully sometime next year, but I don't know if it's Q1 or Q4 yet, um, meant that um, large and larger organizations came to us and also like German government organizations are very much like, we'll use you when we can self-host. Um, and that's the same in, in many other countries as well. Um, that that kind of, okay, we have these steps. We're going with the small and medium businesses at first, and we can grow into the enterprises, uh, large organizations, but also because we have this uh, very nice underlying multi-device um, uh, crypto protocol uh, underneath everything, um, then all sorts of... Um, uh, smart devices and internet of things and um, self-driving self-doing device makers um, are also very interested in it because they want to take it beyond this humans talking to humans and humans talking to machines to machines talking to machine worlds so there's sort of five years of things we want to do um, uh, just uh, need to ramp up um, the team capabilities um, to to get to all of that yeah, excellent. Thank mm. you. Awesome. And, it, and, and actually, does... actually, yeah, that that's something I'd not thought about. That the the whole, you know, because it's an end to end encrypted, effectively tunnel. Uh, the whole machine to machine thing is something I'd never thought of. And then mm. actually, I could see a lot of uh, a lot of utility there. I could see a lot of people being very interested in using mm. that. As a we're, we've taken the very we've taken the very first small step towards it as well. We've. Uh, launched sort of an alpha version of um, end-to-end encrypted um, integrations API. So if you ran the service on your server and you controlled it, uh, then people could access whatever the service was, whether that's some sort of a calendaring system, a CRM in your backend, or you're actually, you could uh, access your servers, um, whatever 
um, then we wouldn't know what was sent from from the wire client to that um, service somewhere. Um, it makes it a bit trickier to in, um, do integrations because you need to self-host them. Um, let's say compared to some competitions where uh, competitors that run these on their servers, but that also means that they have full access to all the traffic going for back and forth. Um, but uh, that is is something that a lot of uh, uh, current and future paying customers are asking for is integrations. And just to go another uh, one more nerdy question: What sort of spec are you looking to? Are you recommending to people when they say we want to run our own server just for the nerdy people like myself mm -hmm. who would be interested in such things? Um, so today we're at the status where um, all the server code is open source, um, but it's full of dependencies on our current server uh, setup because we, when we initially uh, built where we open source wasn't really, really on our radar. That's sort of something we've grown into. Um, so just getting the server code open source was quite an exercise in cleaning up the codes and, uh, and so forth, because your house looks different when you live there two months yourself or when you invite guests and the same is, uh, is true for code. Um, so now we're, we're taking the next step, which is removing all these independencies, uh, sorry, dependencies so that you could run it on any, any hardware that you wanted. Um, so I don't have this recommendation right now, uh, but that's a good point that actually when we launched, then we could say it's easiest to go with X. I'll keep that in mind. Awesome. Mm. I did the reason I'm asking. So I, I, it's one of those things where in work we're sort of ramping up for this whole GDPR thing. What's mm. it? The General Data Protection Register Regulation. regulations. And it's become quite funny that when you start looking into, well, actually, where is my data kept and how is it kept and what are my rights? When you start looking and getting aware of what happens to your stuff, it gets very scary very quickly. Mm -hmm. And from company side, you might have a small startup and you're like, oh, okay, we're, we're a European startup. We actually have happen to have servers in, in Europe. So I don't know, AWS in Ireland or something. We're good. But then you think, okay, how do we do our mailings to our customers? Oh, damn, we use MailChimp, which is a US company. So we give all the email addresses to them, perhaps also the first and last name. So that falls under GDPR. So what? Should we look for a Europe-based alternative? Should we start self-hosting an email service ourselves? Um, so once you start looking, or what kind of sales management tool do we use? What kind of this and that do we use? There's so many things for 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 for, for the companies as well, not just for the individuals. Yeah, and it's going to help because there's so many brilliant services out there. Um, I think WhatsApp is GDP. Well, what's no, they're not. There's a few companies been looking at that. When you say are you GDPR ready, they go. We're currently investigating, and it's going to be a very, very, very big shakeup. It probably won't. It probably doesn't matter for people who like us as users. It doesn't really matter. But if you're running a business, and you, um, who's the other one? Survey Monkey. That's who I was trying to think of. They are sort of GDPR protected, so it's going to be very. I'm not sure they are because it's uh, it's US. They have the service in the US. Um, they collect a lot of uh, personal identifiable data. So I would uh, recommend an alternative called Typeform. It's a Spanish company. Yep. And it's I love Typeform. Yeah, same here. 
big fan. If if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, Typeform is a way where if you want to literally, I was say stupid, create a form, but it can be more than that. You can have um, conditional loops. Like if your date of birth is before a certain time, you go to this page or another page. It really does create awesome looking forms that you can just drag and get the code and just link to uh, with a really, really nice backend. It's such a fantastic product. So if you're out there and you struggle with your forms, go and use Typeform. And that's an endorsement from me because i love it (laughs) they have great customer service as well oh yeah and this is what i love about dealing with startups is because you can tell they've got all the passion and yes your vc funding yes you've got to make a profit but you can just tell there's a drive and a desire to say well okay there might be that other product with the market share but you know give us a try we you know we're not gonna let you down um so i know you're on holiday so you're probably going to want to go and actually enjoy your holiday because we've been going there for about an hour and i don't want to take up too much more of your time uh, on this sunday um any more news coming down the pipeline can we expect any more features about the product before you go um features wise so we've we've um given a shout out to a few that we're working on these are mostly targeting businesses but um there's going to be a um positive side effect for the consumers as well so i think uh, in terms of features we there are ways we can improve the search um for sure then um, self-hosting we already spoke about so that's coming um definitely next year so that might be already in a couple of a uh, couple of months and um at mentions is something that a lot of people want so that in a group chat they go at serenak and you get a notification even if you have muted that conversation um, so there's a few things like that that we're working on um, right now for the next uh, so two to four weeks. We're just focused on fixing some uh, technical debt uh, bugs, um, optimize, optimizing the performance um, so that you just get overall better, better experience because that, that's the basics of a messenger. It needs to send messages and give you notifications and everything else is sort of a cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hi, that's, that's very true. And if you ever and... do a plug-in for recording podcast, let us no because it's it would be nice to have like a some sort of plug-in or drop-in waker and when this completely goes against everything we said about having protection and privacy but the ability to record a, a call for a podcast would be awesome i think you guys need to build it yourself you're the most passionate about this feature for sure <laughs> oh it's all right i can i can start a ball rolling don't you worry <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well i tell you what sim i do have one feature request all right it's a very small feature request and that is uh, i would like very much the ability to close the contacts sidebar because I only tend to use it when I first launch Wire to set up a conversation. And after that, I've got this big piece of screen estate being used for something that I don't wire anymore. It would be nice if you just close that window. Sure. Okay. Uh, so in that big empty space, we can put some ads there. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Joking, <laughs> joking aside, uh, this, is, this is a feature request we, we hear every now and then. Um, different people have different reasons for it. Some want to do for privacy so that they could just hide their uh, sidebar if they're working with uh, colleagues or uh, putting it even up on a, on a screen for some reason um i can't promise you that we'll do this next week or something like that but uh, um i think going forward um sort of more flexibility in terms of how you use that is probably something we'll look at awesome awesome it is sim oh go on the simon Oh, I was going to say, yeah, well, that is, you know, I was just going to chuck my hat in the ring there, add a add a chit to the pile. But, uh, and, you know, it's still awesome. I love wire. I really do. And uh, 
Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the support. And also, just to make it clear, you haven't paid us, you haven't sort of donated or sponsored us or anything like that. The the thing about the show is I've always wanted to get people on to come and talk about their products or their dev or anything that they're doing if it's cool and interests us. And that's exactly why we asked you to come on. And uh, yep, thank you ever so much for coming on, Sim. You probably want to get off and start drinking some more GT, I would imagine. (laughs) Don't mind if I do. (laughs) <laughs> Sim, if you could just give us a, give yourself a quick plug where can they find you, what's your social media and all that stuff and then we'll let you go to enjoy your holiday Yeah. Um, so this is Wire where we live at wire.com uh, we're also on Twitter which is probably our most active channel, it's at Wire um, if Facebook is your thing then it's facebook.com slash wire um, and, and on GitHub if you're a coder uh, github.com slash wire app um, you'll find all the code there and yeah, uh, download Wire. And if you have any uh, feedback to me or to the team personally, then uh, I am at Teller, uh, as in Storyteller on Wire. So uh, find me. And gents, really appreciate you inviting me to join this show. Uh, we found it very, very helpful to build this direct relationship with uh, different groups of users as well, because that's how we get the best kind of feedback, be that feature requests or bug reports or just kind of general um, input into the product roadmap. So really appreciate that. Awesome. And thank you for coming on. Uh, Sorry about last week again. (laughs) That was an interesting one. And yep, Sim, thank you very much for joining us and giving us a bit, uh, giving us an hour of your precious holiday. No doubt it's well deserved. All right. Bye bye now. Cheers, Sim. Bye bye. That's awesome. I I know I keep saying this, but I really do love it when we get people on who can just come in chat to you know chat about their product. And I'm sort of hoping that people listening aren't there thinking that we're just shilling ourselves, that we're just getting someone on to, you know, we're just bigging them up. Because if we were, well, we're certainly not the biggest podcast out there, but I really do hope that the people listening out there, it's nice to get involved and to hear the people behind the company and how they actually engage. So hopefully that's come across and we just don't sound, sound like we're just selling out well i'll tell you what chaps i need to get a brew no doubt pete needs to get another beer and simon's gonna do something so we're gonna drop off to nemo's hardware store and we'll be back in about three minutes time so john over to you a few months ago on show number 48 i raved about the one more triple driver lightning in-ear headphones well it gets better Now there's the one more dual driver ANC lightning in-ear headphones. I'll spell that for you. One more, the number one, M-O-R-E, one more, dual driver ANC lightning in-ear headphones. ANC stands for active noise cancelling. They cost $150 in the U.S. and Simon will put the links in for the U.K. pricing. If you have a chance, go back to show 48 to listen to my positive comments about the triple driver because they happen to be the same price from the same company. Well, these are dual driver. You would think triple driver is better than dual driver. Well, just stick around for a minute. And everything is very, very similar, including a nice designer, sturdy box and container with a zillion different types and sizes of ear tips. The new ANC duals have a dual driver sound one balanced armature like a mini tweeter, and one dynamic driver like a mini speaker, with an extremely accurate and intimate listening experience, according to the company. Well, they're definitely intimate. The accuracy is slightly colored. 
the audio quality and the clarity and the sound space, as they call it, on the triples is a little more smooth. So if you just want best possible audio experience using their amazing 5-in-1 controller and the lightning port from your phone or your iPad with the headphones, with your in-ear headphones, your in-ear monitors, the triple drivers are great. But what the ANC, the active noise canceling adds that the triples don't have is there's a little tiny switch on the side of that 5-in-1 controller. And whenever there's ambient noise, whether you're in an airplane or a noisy room or the street noise or whatever, you flip that little switch and the sound stays just as good. The sound doesn't get any worse. It stays just as good as it was. But then you're much more isolated because you don't hear the ambient sound and you don't need to shove the ear tips in your ears to do the passive noise reduction. Slightly better audio, you go with the triple driver for a more immersive experience in a noisy environment for the same cost, you get the dual driver ANC. If it's a little complicated, just follow the links that we have on our website for this show because we're also going to link to show number 48 where we have the audio and the link to the triple drivers with the UK and USA pricing. All these products, very good cable, very well built, much more similar than different. The only thing to be aware of is because of the noise cancellation, the actual physical metal housing for the speaker drivers, the part that actually contains the speakers, and then it attaches to the ear tips and to the cable, is a little bit wider at the ear end to create the chamber so that the headphones can use the digital audio conversion and process it and also add the noise canceling. I'm not an audio engineer, but I know that these are very good headphones. However, in my ears, take a little bit longer to get used to them than, than the triples, which were instantly comfortable for hours. The doubles are taking a little bit longer to get used to because the end of the metal part, just where it goes into your ear before it fits onto the tip, is widened and is slightly larger in my moderate size ear. So read the reviews from other websites and look at the information on the very thorough One More website. Consider one of these products if you are an audio person, if you like great sound, and or you like very good sound with that noise cancellation. Well done, One More. You are really at the top of my audio products list. Back next week. Cheers, Sean, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. Oh, actually, I told a lie. Why I have sent the stuff before they've sent some merch. I've got a t-shirt of them, which I wear in work because I'm trying to get into work to say, why is really good? Why is really good? And then when they ask me about my t-shirt, I can bore them to death about it. So full disclosure, yes. Uh, and thanks for the sweets as well, Sim. They were really nice. Um, I had a couple. I gave some to some uh, to a friend of mine's kids. And then I walked away to let them have the sugar rush because that's an evil thing to do. Uh, yes, and of course, we've got our Amazon link. It's Halloween. Uh, well, actually, it might be Halloween. It might have gone by the time you've got this. But that means after the... When is Halloween? The 5th of November? Oh, that's fireworks night. Tuesday. Anyways, we know what's coming up next. The dreaded C word. 
So if you are shopping now and you're out there, use our Amazon link and we get a very, very, very small kickback of whatever you purchase. I mean, and it really is small, but it all goes towards the hosting of the podcast. It goes to hosting of the website. Uh, we've got a few plans as well that I keep saying, and it will go towards maybe getting a chair that doesn't squeak. I don't, I pretty much don't because I've just nicked one from the office. But anyways, right. So we were talking earlier on about Pete's Synology and that leads us into Simon. You had cause for celebrating the fact that unlike me, you've got a backup and you've been doing a bit of neckbearding with Linux. So what's been going on with that? Uh, well, what happened was that uh, about about two weeks ago, after we'd done the podcast, I went and cooked my roast pork, and then uh, about nine o'clock, I went back to my laptop, and I was going to start editing the show. Unfortunately, when I opened my laptop, all I got was the dreaded flashing question mark. Oh dear. Yes, very much oh dear. And uh, nothing seemed to make any difference, not rebooting it, not doing this, not doing that. So I whipped out my carbon copy cloner uh, bootable backup drive and booted my laptop. And I ran the disk first aid and I poked about in the uh, about this Mac system uh, info and no sign whatsoever of my hard drive Mm. vanished just like that died in its sleep so boy was i glad i had a ccc uh backup yeah and mark are you listening (laughs) yes yes i'm getting well the problem is is i've got to go and buy a hard drive and as i'm notoriously tight with my money um i can get a couple from work but they're like i the yes i'm listening i should (laughs) what makes the situation worse is that i've just realized that my mac has got two hard drives with it so technically i could do a ccc from one drive to another yeah just install fresh oh that's why i bought that usb stick home Mm. Uh, right i need to go and research on how to make a uh, bootable sierra stick plus i'm Mm. out and also just sort of take off a bit of tangent here uh, i'm probably working on a hackintosh in the next week or two oh really Uh, purely because uh a i want to do some streaming and some gaming in b it's the gaming side because I want a decent graphics card. So, and I can't afford to get the external uh, enclosure, which I would really, really love to test, to be honest. Mm. But uh, I wonder if we can get some... You could borrow, probably borrow one. Yeah, Nemo, if you're listening, can you sort us out in an E, what's it called, external E enclosure? Oh, I forgot the terminology now. I need a beer. It's E SATA, isn't it? Uh, No, it's... um, it goes on Thunderbolt 3. Yeah. Thunderbolt three. Really, really love to get a hand to get a hand on this and just see how it works with my twenty fifteen Mac Mini. Just to right. give it give it a shakedown. So Nemo, sort that out for us. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, uh, in work we've got some Intel motherboard. Well, we've got some old kit that we're selling off, and for the stately price of twenty pounds, I've got myself a case, hard drive, an Intel D eight sixty one CR motherboard, and four gigs of RAM with an Intel i3. Now, that doesn't sound like a very, very, uh, like a good machine, but I'm thinking if it works, it's not, I could get a very, very good spec Hackintosh for less than 200 pounds. Yeah. Now, the only problem is with this, I know, is that whenever you, um, whenever there's like an update to Sierra or to the OS, it completely balks your system. So it would mean that I'd have to have that restraint of, right, there's an update, don't install it. Um, uh, yeah, 
Uh, I mean, I would say that for about £200, you can buy an i5 or i7 Mac Mini on um, on eBay. So, But obviously, you, you may want to just go through the process of building the um, Hackintosh, which would be you're, quite interesting in yeah, itself. You're right. It's just the fact that it's the graphic side of it, because there's mm -hmm. a few games that are coming out. We've got a relationship with Feral um, Interactive. Mm -hmm. Awesome, sending us a few th a few things to review, but I just haven't got anything I can review it on. So this is kind right. of like a way of saying, well, I could have a Windows PC and a dedicated like gaming PC, and most of all, it'd mean blimey, you're not wrong. Mac Minis have come down in price. Yeah. Um, although someone is, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, as we're going completely off to off topic yeah. here, um, would you like to take a guess on how much someone on eBay is selling an Apple Mac Pro? So it's the old cheese grater style yeah. 5.1 2010 6x core 3.46 oh yeah i've just seen why it's so expensive 48 gigabyte right one terabyte hard drive with an ati 570 70 how much do you think that's going for oh um 900 simon higher or lower than 900 oh uh, oh blimey uh I'm going to have to hurry. Where, yeah, yeah, can I phone a friend? Can I phone a friend? 50-50. Um, Simon's looking it up. Lower, yeah. Oh, lower. someone remind me to get the Kenbury's Popmaster music for this bit. <laughs> Higher or lower, Simon? Lower, lower. Uh, you are wrong. It's going for £949. Oh, what a guess. That's 48 gig of RAM. Jeez yeah. Louise. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. It'd still be yes. slow as molasses, but that would be awesome. <laughs> Actually, I think the 2010, uh, I, I used to own a 2010 um, Mac Pro, the um, six-core uh, machine, and uh, that's very respectable in terms of its um, uh, Geekbench score. It's a little faster than my current um, 2015 MacBook Pro. Oh, blimey. Okay, that might be... Uh, we've The worst thing is, well, and I've said this before, we've got two of them in work, mm. but they won't sell them. They won't um, right. let them go to charities because one of the guys wants to use it, wants to keep them until they're worth nothing. And I quote, so he can make them into a desk. <laughs> anyway, Simon, back to your story. <laughs> well... So, being very, very glad that I had my carbon copy cloner uh, hard drive, I then obviously had to send my laptop away to be repaired because I had. Sorry, insured. sorry, Simon. Could I could I just interrupt and ask of you can. Uh, what what vintage uh, of uh, uh, of laptop are we looking at here? Oh, it's uh, my. I have a MacBook Pro 2012 uh, non-retina, okay, yeah. so it's it's the the one right. with the DVD drive in. Um, right. Yes, it was the last one that uh, had the um, that you could take apart yourself. Is that right? Yes. Because we went unibody yes. after that. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a unibody um, aluminium uh -huh. one. Uh, you you can take it apart, but you take the screws out of the bottom, and the whole bottom plate comes off. Yeah. But uh, I, I I have it insured, so I sent it away. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Um, I I have it insured the uh, as for breakdown and uh, complete failure. So if it if it dies beyond uh, economic repair, I get a new machine. Oh, um, nice one. Yeah, it costs about twenty pounds a month, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I had to, you know, box it up and send it away to be repaired. And thus, I was in a bit of a pickle in that I was 
not actually computerless, but I was without a laptop. So I have here uh, a much older laptop. I have a white MacBook uh, Core 2 Duo, which mm-hmm. was my which was my laptop before the Mac Pro. Um, and that, of course, was limited to uh, Lion 10.7. Right. Uh, no. And I thought, well, that'll, that'll be all right. That'll be all right for a few basics, you know, uh, go on Slack, uh, use Quip, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but it, it's not really. Uh, the browsers are too that you can get for it are too old, and they keep coming up with, you know, this is browsers no longer supported, and, and then you try and download something. They so say you need a ten point nine or right. later to, yeah. to download this app, and oh, so I thought the hardware is not that terrible. But 10.7 is basically too old, really, um, to do anything particularly useful. I mean, in in itself, as a self-contained computer, it's brilliant. It would work fine. But when you want to go on the web, it starts to struggle. And, of course, half of what we do these days is online. So it was giving me grief. So I thought, Mm. well, I will download and install a version of Ubuntu on it and see what sort of joy I get out of that. So I downloaded, I have installed, uh, I had some issues. I started with, I downloaded the latest version, which is 17.10, Ubuntu seventeen ten, but yeah. that didn't that didn't want to work properly. It installed um, and it, it was running, but I, it didn't seem to want to recognise the right click by using two fingers on the trackpad, which right. is um, because Ubuntu you use the right click an awful lot. That wasn't really very helpful. So I decided to drop back to the sixteen oh four, which is a long term long term support version, which means they will continue to support it for five years. So that's good okay. until twenty yeah. twenty, and I, I don't don't think. The laptop will last that long somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so I installed Ubuntu sixteen oh four, and that's been wonderful because you get an up to date Firefox. Uh, yeah, and it's it's excellent. And I downloaded Wire, and uh, that's working very well for me. So there you go. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. That's yeah. Um, if, I wouldn't if you've have got a, a much older laptop, you know, I mean, yeah. that's. I don't know what vintage that is. Core 2 Duo, that's a pretty old machine. Yeah. Um, and that's now, you know, reasonably viable with uh, oh, Ubuntu. Oh, you've got me thinking now. And I, uh, for, for those who care about such things, I run the GNOME flashback session, which is much lighter on the on the graphics than the, than the Unity desktop that is the default. Right. So there you go. Okay. But, that it, you know, that I, I'm not saying Apple are wrong to... to you know, drop machines at certain points. They do it for perfectly good reasons, but that that does mean sometimes you've got a machine which actually works perfectly well, but the operating system it supports is is quite old. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, you know, using a, a lighter weight Linux can give that machine another lease of life. Hmm, that's it. That is interesting because I used to own uh, one of the black uh, MacBooks back in well, two thousand and eight or yeah, whenever about it was. That, I can't remember it, yeah. now. Yeah, and. Uh, in fact, I took that across uh, America with me in 2011, um, and I've always regretted selling that because I just love the the look of that um, black uh, MacBook. Um, and I had thought about buying uh, another one, you know, because they're cheapest chips on eBay. But then I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll be stuck at something like Lion. But now you've yeah. given me a, you give me a, an idea there. <laughs> there we go. Mm. Right. So well, you're still you're still on this. Um, you still haven't got your MacBook Pro back, is that? No, is that it's it's. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to come back right, from the gotcha. repairers. They did tell me it would be about fourteen days. Um, 
I'm sure the actual repair, they'll probably just open it up and stick another hard drive in it. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know how these things are. Seem the way forward. Yeah, well, you might get lucky, like a person on what was it Reddit earlier on that I was reading about today who walked in. He'd had a hell of a time with his ex girlfriend, and she'd smashed up his Mac. And then after a little bit of to and fro in, uh, he basically got a brand new Mac. It's not unheard of. So you might get lucky. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, let me say. Yes, uh, um, certainly um, the Apple Care uh, do that sort of thing, don't they? They, um, uh, I've heard good stories about Apple Care. I've never had to claim under Apple Care. I have Apple Care on this uh, MacBook Pro, and I've had it on my last machine as well. But uh, yeah, I have heard about people just getting a new Mac. Uh, I'm still bit from my four hours in an Apple store where I was told that I will get put through to someone senior. And all that happened was I went right back to the start of first line support. And so my friend still has an iPad, which isn't backing up. And no matter how I try and explain it to them, let's say, well, yes, your iPad isn't backed up, but all your data is in the cloud. So if your iPad was to go boom, Hmm. the only thing you'll really have to do is just um, turn it on log in and then just download the apps manually i believe i'm right now yeah yeah it's right yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. because all your stuff will be in the cloud and all that sort of stuff but nope they're not having any of it because because it hasn't backed up oh god it hasn't backed up it hasn't backed up look it's backing up just not what you think it's not backing up hmm. uh anyways um you know what we did have a few stories but we're running yeah, we're running on time i think we're gonna have a go for a few stories here now the one that you two well we, we all wanted to discuss was well obviously windows phone is dead but that's hmm. how bit of an impact on the rest of the microsoft stuff because walmart uh walmart's dumped windows for macs that is amazing um, isn't it i mean walmart walmart dumps windows for mac plans to order one hundred thousand macs that is what yeah hell of an order imagine being the sales agent there going yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. hello can i take your order he's going catching that's my yeah. quota hit. Next month, he's going to be screwed when they said, oh, so uh, we can't help but notice that your uh, your sales figures are down uh, from last month. Yes, no bleeping Sherlock. Um, <laughs> so uh, if from the story over at WPX Box and on many other sites, it looks like this year is going to be banned from Microsoft if we see more big companies dumping Windows for Apple's MacBook. IBM was the first step, which was absolutely huge, and many more followed the lead. According to the report, they've all been taking note from IBM in saying how productive they've become without Windows. Uh, GE offered 330,000 employees to switch to a market. Now, Walmart are going to do the same by 100,000. I've got to say, we've got a graphics department. They use Macs. We've, I've never had a support call from them, ever. Right. Um, yeah. And, and this graphic that's on this um, uh, page from uh, the uh, IBM, uh, they say that 5% of um, Mac um, support tickets uh, require a uh, support visit, but um, it's 27% for PCs. That's quite interesting. I'm going to share this with our IT manager at work. Because I know he doesn't like Max. <laughs> oh, I've got the same IT manager as well. Max is just useless, overpriced. But to be fair, he does have a point. I mean, Christ, when Apple start pulling the nonsense of whacking 200 quid on whilst we're all watching the Apple event, that really does yeah. uh, 
stick in the yes. craw sort yes. of thing. And it's not the first time that they've done it as well. They did it, um, was it last year when they, yes, it was. Because uh, I remember walking, <laughs> it's, it's funny how you remember things. I remember being out walking the dogs and listening to the, the event on my phone whilst I was walking. And then it was starting to come up in the news feed like, oh, everything's just gone up a heck yeah. of a lot. Yeah. I mean, Simon, you, I mean, you work in a print uh, area. You don't have an IT department. Do you have an IT guy? What? Me, you mean? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Simon, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, the truth is, it, it's, it's basically me and uh, the production manager, Greg, because we've both basically been using Macs forever. Um, so, yeah, if there's, you know, what? If, there isn't, if, if there's a problem that me and him can't solve between us, well, then... I doubt that there's much anyone could do. I don't necessarily think this is entirely bad news for Microsoft. I really don't because you're still we're still in this world where everyone needs Word, which is something I hate to test because if you're listening, do not make application forms in Word. They don't work. Speaking to you, Welsh Government, with the forms I've just had to fill out recently. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, their their apps in general are quite good. I mean, Word on the Mac is a same bit of software now. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I like it. I've been using it for some years on the Mac. Well, uh, yes, especially now because what was it? There was that big gaping chasm of no updates for Word, wasn't it? Was it Office 2011? Oh, 2011, yes. I didn't update it until about 2016. So there was about a five-year period where there was no there was no chain on Office they, for the Mac. And they do, they are doing some rather nice apps. They've got the uh, the picture one, Pixteller. That I, oh, yeah. This is great, isn't it? Oh, they're doing some great apps. I can't tell you any names of them, but they do some great <laughs> apps. Jeez. <laughs> But on the whole, you can definitely see that Microsoft are going, you know what, this the Windows lead will always be there and Apple will just keep chipping away. But they go, well, okay, you we might not get £113 from you for your Windows updates, but we'll get you for all the other Office subscriptions that we have because, unfortunately, Microsoft are a standard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so. Although I am very much a supporter of LibreOffice for an awful lot of people who do not absolutely have to have Microsoft Word LibreOffice will do fantastic. Do you, what, do you use um, any alternative software there, Pete? Is there any sort of recommendations um, you want to show, show that? No, main, mainly because I get a free subscription to the Microsoft suite through my work. So I can I can be up to date if I want to with the Microsoft uh, stuff. Um, although having said that, I, am, I bought a copy of uh, Microsoft uh, Office for Mac uh, in... Oh, when was that? I forgot which one. It's um, 15.3, which is 2017. So, yeah, I've actually bought it. It's not that expensive for um, for the Mac. Um, but don't ask me how much I paid because I can't remember. Um, but I know that uh, through my um, uh, school where I work, um, I get a free um, subscription to uh, Microsoft Office products, which is... One of the benefits of working at a school, and there's not many other financial benefits, let me assure you. Well, you get Apple Music for four ninety nine a month. That's not too bad. Right. No, no I, don't, I don't subscribe to Apple Music. I've, I've never gone down the pay, pay for a streaming music service. About the only uh, 
about the only other financial benefit I could see, really, Pete, is you could get you could probably buy a Mac with the uh, education discount. Uh, that's yes, that's true, actually. Oh. Which is usually quite hefty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you could just see a penny. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'll, yeah. I've forgotten that. I will be in contact with you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the other financial benefit is I get unlimited um, cloud storage uh, with um, a Google Drive. Oh, yes, so, that's an education thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So I'm currently storing 110 gigabytes in, in the uh, Google Drive cloud for nothing. Very good. I, I will admit I've been using uh, Mega. Well, this has been a very backup-centric show today. Mm. Uh, me, I like using Mega just purely because uh, it just backs up everything. It doesn't go, oh, we don't need, um, it doesn't worry about uh, Heath, Heath support. Is that what, has that even knows it? Heath yeah, Heath, Heath. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's a nice touch. So, but yeah, again, like OneDrive is a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a decent product. You've got to say, like mm. the Mac client is a little bit janky, but it's, but you can just see now with Microsoft that there is always a progression. There's always things moving forward. It's not like of old where there's an app. Oh, it's done now. Uh, okay. Uh, right. What next? I have to say, and I have said this before uh, on this show, that Microsoft OneDrive is one of my favorite cloud mm. drive services. Uh, I, I use Mega as well because Mega gives you 50 gig for free. Um, I don't use Google Drive anymore. Uh, since I've effectively detached myself pretty much from Google, so I I do I use I I use the OneDrive and I use Mega and I use Dropbox. Uh, although uh, from what I hear from people who pay for their Dropbox service and don't just have the cheapskate free version, that Dropbox are being very uh, I don't know aggressive in their pricing, as in jacking it up. Not aggressive. Ag- oh right. <laughs> not aggressive as in competitive. Aggressive as in yeah. That service that you were paying for, we've halved halved your allowance and doubled the price. Right. That sort of aggressive. Um, so I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Dropbox are struggling or, or what, but a lot of people are displeased, shall oh, we say. that reminds uh, – two quick points. Number one, that reminds me I need to download all of our podcasts from Opinion because that will be closing on – well, the podcast hosting will be closing on the 1st. And the second part is going to raise – Nobody's mentioned Apple Storage or Apple, um, whatever they're calling it, Apple iCloud. Yeah, iCloud, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I have I mean, it turned on, but I don't. Yeah, same here. I, don't uh, really I just make sure I, I just don't go above five gigabytes. Yeah, it's a. Um, although it's 79 pence or 50 gigabytes, I think it is. Yeah, uh, oh, I my wife. Uh, my wife pays 79p, but I don't know. There's something would... about our iCloud. It's a bit. I don't know. I don't. I don't trust it in the same way as I trust Microsoft. I know that sounds strange, wow. but um, well, iCloud's a bit weird. It sometimes does weird things, hmm. um, and it's you know. Whereas with the with the OneDrive, I can put things in, and you can say, for example, I can put a load of stuff in there, and because my new machine at work has a five hundred gig SSD rather mm-hmm. than a one terabyte hard drive. Uh, I have to be a bit more careful about what guff I allow to collect on there. But hmm. with, with the OneDrive, I, I can simply go into OneDrive and go, right, which folders are allowed to sync? And the ones that are, for example, contain stuff for the podcast, which are not relevant to work whatsoever, I can hmm. simply say, well, I don't sync those. And, yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, you feel like you've, 
granularity. You, you don't have any granularity. It sort of it magically does stuff, and it's like, well, is that doing what I expect it to do or not? And I've, I've never, no, sorry to say it, I've never really trusted iCloud 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's it's some of the stuff that we've done, Simon. It's like I'm in work and I need to, you know, we, we collaborate on a few little projects. And it's the fact that you, you can't share a folder. It's like, right, okay, I'm on my phone. I need to go in, you know, share a folder, send it up and give you access to that folder. Yeah. And I don't think there's a way to easily do it. I mean, you, you, you can go into a file and share a file once you're in it. Like, so, for example, you're working in Pages, which I'm trying to love. I uh, really am trying to love Pages, but it just isn't sticking with me. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's the same, uh, again, other podcasts have, like, touched on this about, you know, dropping Dropbox, uh, and everyone comes back to it because they've basically just got it. They've, they've got the features down. They've just got it nailed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very simple to share stuff in uh, Dropbox. Uh, I'm part of a three-person or four-person team who produces the Village magazine for where I live, and we use Dropbox, the uh, the free version of it. Um, and that just, we've been doing that for five years, and it's just, yeah, seamless. You know, it doesn't, there's no problems at all. It's everything you wish the Apple offering had been. Yeah, that's right. If only they'd got on board in 2012. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm on their page now, and I see it's uh, $7.99 a month for Dropbox for one terabyte of storage. Dropbox Plus, that's called. And if you go for a professional, it's $19.99 a month for the same storage. Hmm. I don't know what the difference is there, then. <laughs> they, a lot of money um, extra. The professional does um, smart sync and full text search. That's the only two boxes that, were, that have got a tick in them. Whereas the the plus service have got a um, an X in them, so that's the only that's a big that's a big price differential that strikes me as being a big price differential for very little there. Yeah, I think that may be what the uh, what a lot of the people I've been hearing complaining are complaining about, and I've got a feeling that it might be that that uh, business that you know that uh, professional used to be a two terabyte storage. Right. Okay. Actually, uh, which... uh, sorry, if you scroll down, there are a few other differences where you can share the shared link controls, um, viewer history. Mm. Yeah, it's all the features are basically. Uh, but then again, are we, are we the target demographic for um, iCloud storage? Probably, well, possibly Cause not. It, cause it just no, scroll... probably not, because yeah. we think about it and, um, you know, go out and get the uh, uh, and, and research the market. But I imagine that the target demographic is someone who's using an iDevice and maybe a Mac and just wants all their stuff up in the cloud and don't want to think about it. Yeah, I mean, like the desktop backup's handy. Uh, I've used that when I'm in work. My dockups, uh, sorry, my documents are backed up. And I, again, I just drop in and get it. So, yeah, it's, I would say, for the average person who's going to go in and drop you know, 12 1500 pounds on a mac and then they go oh yeah and it backs everything up they go oh cool and that will probably be uh the, the last of it yep. yeah that is possibly yeah. true that is possibly true and and um, the fact that you know i i don't find icloud to be that compelling may simply be could be because you know the sort of things that we expect to do or want to do with cloud storage are in effect power user behavior yeah 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 i power user on a budget 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that one very well, which is again why I haven't done my CCC backup, which I might do this week and we'll report in next week on how that's gone. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm just trying to think, is there any other stories here that are really um jumping out at us? Uh, well, I've just will mention the giant mech deal, which uh, yeah. was supposed <laughs> to take place it was supposed to take place in August and it finally it has finally taken place. And uh, uh there's a link here to YouTube where you can watch the the battle um it's perhaps not quite as compelling as you might have hoped but it's interesting right. it's interesting it's worth a watch it's about 20 minutes long it's certainly um, no robot jocks as i was hoping no. it was going to be there's no. a throwback to the 90s for everyone but uh it, it, if you're in if you're interested even vaguely interested it's it's quite it's, it's worth a watch it's worth 20 minutes of your time to have a look i think okay. uh, and it did means it did actually happen and what they really are on about <clears throat> of course, is they want to start some sort of robo battle league and and have teams all over the world building these mechs, and they want to consider different types of classes so that they can. Because if you watch it, you'll see that it's a, it's a bit of a mismatch, to be fair. Yes, without giving any spoilers away. And you know what, chaps? I don't think we can go anywhere after we start talking about robots fighting robots. Mm. I, I think that's a penultimate of where we can go. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, um, yeah. I will just say, Mark, I've got worth a chirp here. Worth a chirp. Because... Oh, hang on then. Let me see if I can find it. This is going to be some editing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seamless. I've actually used the same board in context. So Simon, you've got a word for chirp. I have. Um, as you know, Mark, but a lot of listeners may or may not know, we write a lot of our notes in Markdown, and we then uh, put the Markdown into Pinecast for the show notes. And on the website, uh, which is now in WordPress, we like to, again, paste in um, Markdown, which is a lot easier than writing HTML and a lot quicker than using the uh, the WordPress visual editor, which is very nice, but it's much slower. Uh, so I found uh, a Markdown editor for the Mac which was free from the Mac App Store, cost me no money whatsoever, uh, and it's simply called Markdown, the Markdown Editor for OS X, and it's wonderful. It's a dual pane, so you write your Markdown in one pane, and it right, live yeah. shows you the result in the other pane. Oh, that's which clever. Is, it is. It's really great. And um, it does it does syntax highlighting, and it can export to HTML, and... Uh, that got, has got me out of uh, out of a bit of a bind as well because the MyMac site, which we also you know publish our podcast on, as we are part of the MyMac network, we uh, that doesn't support Markdown. Okay, that right. only uh, you have to either do it in the visual editor or you have to write HTML. I can't be back writing HTML. It's yeah. so long since I wrote HTML, I can barely remember how it goes. Yeah. But with this Markdown editor, I can take our notes from Quip, which are written in Markdown, paste them in there. Brilliant. Uh, from, from there, I can export them to HTML, and then I can copy and paste the HTML into the WordPress HTML editor. Yeah. And bingo. And then I just have to double check with the visual editor that everything's come out how I expect, and we're away. So that is, that brilliant. is, that is my work worth a chirp. And oh, it is, definitely. 
And also, uh, similarly, I found a similar uh, sort of product for the for iOS, which is called Mark Light, a delicate markdown editor for iOS, and that's in the App Store. Uh, it's not quite as clever as, as the markdown for Mac, but it's a, a very similar kind of product. And in that, you write your markdown, and then you swipe to the side to see the preview. So there you go. Oh, I like that. In awesome fact, I, stuff. yeah, I think that can be of use for me at work because I edit our website, and the editor we use isn't that isn't always that great. So I'm thinking I can export the HTML, chuck it in here tweak it and then re-import yes oh yeah and the, uh, <laughs> a real-time WYSIWYG view as well, so when you're editing... Yes, that is absolutely... That was the thing for me. What I've always wanted when yeah. writing HT, you know, uh, Markdown or HTML is to have a live preview, and most things you cannot have that. And now with this Markdown editor, you can. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it in the Mac App Store now. Marvellous. Okay. Well, there we are. Cheers for that, Simon. And, yeah, I think that'll do us then. So, Pete, over to you. If people want to follow you on the Twitter, if you've got a website, shill you self senseless yeah um i'm on twitter um i'm at suffolk pete but um yeah i don't uh, I, it's mainly football related there i must say um but yep. Come uh, on, hopefully you spurs. Is that... that's it yes yeah <laughs> um so yeah i i'm not heavily into uh so do the facebook etc etc and i do have a blog but i haven't updated it for some years so um well, there we are then. Uh, that was a nice quote. Simon, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do so good, sir? Well, of course, you can reach me on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And, of course, I'm in the Slack room, and anybody who wants to join our Slack room can uh, just contact us, can't they? And we will send them an invite. Uh, and we occasionally put bits on Google+, and we have uh, a show Twitter, don't we? At Essential Apple. Uh, yeah, so that's probably that, about it. Yep, really. That's about it. And yeah, it's like Simon said, essentialapple.com at essentialapple. Uh, yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show. Sim, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on. What it's wired.com. If you're looking for a light, lighter weight uh, version of Skype, which is a lot, lot better than Skype, in my own opinion, into an encryption, da 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 da, da go and check out wired.com. And that's it, gentlemen. I am out of here because the sun is coming down and we've lost an hour. So I'm going <laughs> to go and do stuff uh, as the sun goes down. So till next week, cheerio, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, and of course, Pete, thanks for coming on. I don't know if I've said that bit. <laughs> hey, uh, no right. Worries. Let's press that button there. And welcome back to Melon's Moment. This week I'll be talking about a website that I have used to make my YouTube banner on. The website is called Canva.com and it's very simple. Um, it's free. All you have to do is log in or register, um, pick a background. You can add your own photos, add text. There are things that you can add for money. This is a American website, but um, it's brilliant. All you have to do is download the picture after you've done it and upload it to YouTube or anything like that. It has templates 
perfect for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or any social media. You can put in sizes um, for templates, or you can pick a suggested template from them themselves. The most expensive thing I've seen on there is probably $3. It's I don't use the um, paid version of things. There's some very simple um, pictures on there, which I've used for my YouTube channels. Um, More Melon and Cutie Melon. Um, it's very simple, and I would definitely use it again. I do recommend it again. The website is called canva.com. Thank you. That's all I have time for this week on Melon's Moment. We are part of the mymac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more. I don't know who you are, but I will find you, and when I do... You had better be listening to the Tech Fan Podcast, because if you're not, well, you may not live long enough to regret it. Remember, it's called the Tech Fan Podcast. Listen, and you won't regret it. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.